You are listening to... <coughs> you're, you're, you're listening to my TV years from TV Choice. Without further ado, it's time to welcome your host, Mel Giedroyd. Hi, hi, it's me. Welcome, one and all, and as always, thank you for downloading this episode of the podcast. My guest this episode is somebody who has done it all, but they didn't do the Lithuanian folk dance at their brother-in-law's wedding. I know that. They have, though, done theatre, film and, of course, TV. Her television credits include some of the nation's favourite and most successful shows, Doctor Who, Casualty, Stenders and current Netflix sensation Bridgerton. It is, my friends. Adjua Ando. Adjua Ando, it is so great uh, to have you on board with us today. I would love to know, first of all, did you love telly? Was it something that you were very excited about when you were a child? Well, so uh, I was a, a child of much dressing up. I did a lot of reading. Uh, Mrs. Tiggy Winkle was a favourite. Oh. Um, and um, I liked to parade the streets in outfit Did with you? my gang of merry or not so merry children that had been dragged along in my wake. Um, <laughs> but I did like the telly, but it was a sort of forbidden fruit in our house. Um, we were a bit of a house where if dad was in, there was no ITV. Uh, oh. Magpie for me was like a filthy secret. I liked the telly, but it was fraught with danger. Did, was was the telly sort of in the corner of the room covered in a cloth sort of thing or with little, you know, was it in a cupboard? Well, we were the last telly in the village to go colour. Ah, oh, OK. We were, we were, I had to befriend some very tricky children in order to get the, the glory that is the coloured television. But yeah, we were in glorious black and white waiting for the cathode ray tube to warm up for a very long time. So you never had the delights, for example, of Leslie Judd's flares. You didn't know that they were plum coloured with orange with I, orange I, piping. I, no, and I knew nothing about Valerie Singleton's roll not roll neck top either. Always mustard, Adjua. Always. Always. Well, they were revealing, <laughs> revealing. Pete Purvis often in brown. Often in oh, brown. And oh. the and the ochre tones. And Noxy, yes. Noxy, always sky blue, always sky, sky blue. blue. There yeah. There's a boy for you. <laughs> what's the first? What's the first show that you remember watching? Um, I think it must have been Watch with Mother. Oh my goodness! On yes. the telly. Now, Watch with Mother was a sort of conglomerate of shows, wasn't it? it oh, wasn't... there was and uh, Andy Pandy. Andy Pandy, uh, who was a bit freaky. Yeah. Bill and Ben. Bill and Ben. I Bill found ben. slightly creepy. But, you know, the thing is, when, you're, when your access to telly is quite restricted, needs must. Whatever's on, yeah. generally, it's gripping. <laughs> but I did love Trumpton. Oh, same. I love Trumpton. I wanted same. to live in Trim Trumpton. Yeah, same here. I'd, I'd have done Campbellwick Green as well. I'd have done any oh, of them. Oh, any, any of them. Any it, of them. It was Just the, bring it, it on. It was the order of everything, wasn't it? Everything yes. had its structure. Everything had its place. You know, that there were sort of rules and regs. It wasn't kind of just freestyle magic roundabout, was it? Uh, no, we weren't tripping, no. But, but it was just, there was something really lovely about the kind of boundaries of, of Trumpton. It was the tidiness of it. I liked yeah. it, you know. And you knew that Windy Miller was never going to be a fireman. That wasn't yeah. his role. Just stick with your windmill doing your little turny-turny of the handle. Yes, 
I remember uh, Watch With Mother. Um, I remember being quite scared of the woman who did the voiceover for Andy Pandy. Yes. She was She was yes. very, sort of, very sort of up here, wasn't it? It was really sort of, now we're not going to yes. do that. No, no, no. It, Children? It, yes. Yes, it was, it was by your beds. Andy Pandy's somewhere in the garden today. Let's go and find him, shall we? There he is, on his swing. Hello, Andy Pandy. Oh, look, children. He's waving with his feet. Oh, don't do that, Andy. You'll make yourself giddy. Andy's been swinging very high, but he'd love to have someone to push him so he can go much higher. Do you think you could give him a good push? That was the voice of Maria Bird in Andy Pandy as part of Watch With Mother in the 16th September 1952 episode for BBC. I think there was something in the order, orderliness that I quite liked about that. I did think you? I liked a sensible teacher. Okay. I did like a sensible teacher. She, I yeah. found her almost too much, though, because she could be yes. very kind, and then you had the sense that she could suddenly turn on a sort of sixpence. Yes. And she'd the go... The kindness was earned. Exactly. And it could be withdrawn at any second. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And little Andy Pandy, stripy, kind of onesie thing. Uh, yes, with his little hat, his funny little hat thing. And I think... Now, was Tales of the Tales from the Riverbank was was that part of that viewing section? Ah, uh, I, I don't remember. I would watch that as yes, I'm I'm very old. Um, it was it was basically creatures by the river being anthropomorphised left, right, and centre. Yes, on strings, on on sometimes quite visible strings. Yes. So weird now when you think yes. about it, actually. But yes. probably if you watched it now, it would be slightly compelling. Mm. Was there a show that your mum and dad, your elders, aunts, uncles, whoever was around, were, were watching religiously and that you found absolutely devastatingly dull? Yes, there was. Going for a song with Arthur Negus. Now, this, if if our listeners um, have never come across it, was a sort of it's a sort of prototype of Antiques Roadshow, isn't it? But without the... he he crossed over, he did cross over. I think he would he might have been an early he straddled Antiques Roadshower. Yeah, you're absolutely but, um... right. You're absolutely right. But it was in the studio, wasn't it? Oh, it was in the studio, and it was achingly dull, achingly dull. And I think it was like on a Sunday afternoon or it was sometime when you just thought, the hell of the week is coming. Can we not have something to leaven the mood before we go hurtling oh, into Monday morning at yeah. primary school? You wanted the Muppet Show, didn't you, really? You, you wanted something... Oh, my God, you did. You wanted something like that. Arthur, have you well, seen I'm gonna, No, I've never seen anything like this. I'm just going to see if it does fire. Why not take the thing out in case it's got a bullet in? Stand on one side. Yes, it's quite right. Well, that must be right what he said. It's a flintlock pistol, made by Hennel. Um, I'm, yes, there's, oh, it's got, it's silver mounted, of course, uh, as he has said. That was Max Robertson and Arthur Negus in Going for a Song, October 1971, for the BBC. I remember it was the host, because Negus wasn't the host, I don't think, was he? He was just one of the experts sitting on the side. I, I've obliterated everybody else. All I remember is Arthur Negus and his specs. And it had, and quite quite good teeth as well. Real yes. classic sort of 70s, teeth. 70s yeah. GB dentistry. Uh, yes. Very much at the fore, wasn't it? And mm -hmm. they'd they'd pass round a sort of um I don't know, a sort of a musket or something, wouldn't they? 
and yes, they'd all look least. at it, handle it, and sort of what what would they do? Work out what year it was, how much it was worth. That's right. What its provenance was, a little bit of its history, and the I think the Negus was the top dog as far as. Uh, wisdom on the antiques front was concerned I, and he could, yeah. he could peer at things very close to his face <laughs> tiny things very close to his face and then then tell us peer into the camera and tell us about them i think he had one of those uh things like a jeweler has those weird sort of oh yes the little eyepieces that the monocle thing didn't he yes yes that he used to yes, bring that in a chunky frame yeah and i think he always wore a I think he, I imagined he had very squeaky polished shoes, but I think he always, he, always, he had a sort of cardigan and shirt and tie affair. Yeah. He was a he was smart casual. And he was always sitting down, I think. There was never any standing I think he, up. No, no, no. I think he was in the sort of, you know, one of those winged leathery chairs. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And there was never a sense of, oh, this article used to belong to, uh, you know, Mrs. Miggins from Tunbridge Wells. She's going to come in and tell us about it. It was very much, no. it was that kind of dry, we're going to tell you. In, we in, are the experts. We're the experts. And, I, and there was a lot of silence around. There was... That you could sort of hear a pin drop, couldn't you? It was oh, you could, or the fire crackling or something, or your life just ebbing, ebbing away <laughs> before your very eyes. So so, yeah. the, so they'd put this on, they'd put on going for a song, and mm. what would you do? Would you just disappear, or would you would you watch and, and no, suffer? No, I'd, or... I'd watch, of course. It, it was television. There was yeah. something flickering on the screen. I would watch. Um, if I was lucky, we might have just had... Cling peaches or maybe fruit cocktail with some ideal milk oh, and uh, maybe a butterfly cake. Oh, I don't know. So yes. it might have been worth just, you know, hanging yeah. around for some quality yeah. tea time snacks. I do remember that feeling though of watching something on a Sunday and the sort of the, the, the slight stress headache of Monday having to go back to school, just, yes. des just descending. That's very, that's, thank you for sort of pointing that up. That was, that was definitely a sort of feature, wasn't it, of Sunday afternoon? It certainly was. The dread, the stress, the kind of slight anxiety. Yes. Oh, yes. going for a it's song. All over going. <laughs> But on the other hand, though, if Negus represents, I don't know... The, the nadir. The nadir, exactly. Thank you. I was searching yes. for that word. Um, what's the opposite of nadir? The zenith. The, the you know... Yes, the acme. The acme. <laughs> the acme and the nadir. Thank you. <laughs> who, who, who represents the acme if Negus is our nadir? What was the show that you would never miss, that you loved? Double Deckers. Double Deckers. <gasps> Get on, Get on board. board, the double deckers yeah. of a ticket for a journey. We're singing different words. What's going on? We're singing What's going different on? verses. Oh, oh, there, verses. Oh, verses. there were so many verses. Oh, God. So many verses. I think I only I knew love the first. Them. I know. So I this was them. this was an amazing, amazing show. I also absolutely adored it when I was a child. I've got such vivid memories of it. It was yes. a group of brilliant kids that you wanted to be your friends, didn't you? Totally. I'm collecting tin foil. That's what for. Why? Well, when I've got enough, I hand it over to an organisation what sells it for cash. And then? And then they buy a guide dog for the blind. Oh, how many bags do you have to collect? Thirty. Thirty? Well, how many have you got? One and a bit. One and a bit. That's all he's got. So wouldn't it be a jolly good idea if we all helped? But thirty sacks. That's an awful lot. Well, there are seven of us, and many hands make light work. But it'll take us years to fill thirty sacks. Exactly. So I've got an idea. We'll get all the kids in the neighbourhood to help us. We're going to put on a show. What?
Ah, oh, that was Peter Firth as Scooper, Brinsley Ford as Spring, Gillian Bailey as Billy, Michael Audrison as Brains, Douglas Simmons as Donut, Bruce Clark as Sticks, Debbie Russ as Tiger, and Melvin Hayes as Albert the Street Cleaner, otherwise known as the cast of Double Deckers, in Here Come the Double Deckers, 1971, the Man's Best Friend episode for ABC and BBC. I loved a gang. Yeah. But I was very keen on Enid Blyton. Same. So I'd read all of the Secret Sevens. Oh, yeah. um, I wasn't so hot on The Famous Wife, but I did read them. But I started my own, I think we were a famous four, <gasps> because I only had three other friends. And I made us all, I made us uh, uh, membership books. Of course you It was did. made of pink card, uh, and there was white pages inside, and I'd stitched all the pages. Oh, and um, you? And... I know it's so That's, No, it's the lovely. in the 60s. No, What are you going to do? Absolutely. You've got to make your own fun. What? And we'd, we'd do things like there was one bus stop. Became, there were like two buses a week. We'd sit in the bus stop and we'd, um, because it was such a vibrant village, we'd write down car number plates. Brilliant. <laughs> That's what happened. There was hardly any cars. Then we'd write down car number plates as they drove to the village. And once we found a key and uh, it turned out that it was... Um, I think it was the village hall key. Did, did you find the hole that the key fitted into? or No, I think I showed it to a grown-up and, and they showed us what it was. That was an odd moment. Brilliant. So your HQ was the bus shelter, the bus stop. That's where you'd yes. meet. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you were the head, you were the, the leader. I, I, I made the books. Of course you did. Yes. Of course you did. It was, my, it was the club. And yes. can you remember the three others' names? Uh, yes, uh, Maxine Ryan, yeah, Dominic Ryan, yeah, Helen Ryan. Oh, all of the same family. I don't know where my brother was because he could have easily fitted, but maybe he would have been a disruptive influence, <laughs> being younger and not quite under my rule. <laughs> the, and Ryans. the Ryans lived two doors up. Oh, of and Maureen they did. Ryan, their mum, had been nanny to um, Maria Callas. Whoa! Yes. That's... And she was in the local um, operatic society. She sang the lead in Brigadoon. And I thought what? she must have a great voice because she'd worked for M Maria Callas. That's probably why she was so good at singing. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the Ryan children were in my secret group. The Ryans were your double-deckers. They were. But we didn't have adventures like that. I know. Well, I was going to say, what the double-deckers had, the double-decker kids, was that amazing, um, the place where they hung out, which was... Sort of, what was it? Parts, part it was, yard. It was part it was scrapyard. Exactly, but with a double-decker London bus in it. And then, do you remember the way that you used to get in, which was by um, pulling on the rope and then the bit of wood, the wood would come oh. up and then you'd get in. And then sometimes, <laughs> that's right, and then sometimes there was like a big dog flap or a big cat flap. You could get in that way. There were yes. all sorts of ways of getting into the secrets of a uh, hideout of the double-deckers, wasn't there? Yeah. Did they? Did they ever? Did we ever see them go out of that? I just remember them being in oh, yeah. there. They oh, did, no, no, didn't no. They, they? they? Yeah. So what I loved about them was, well, obviously there was a black kid. Anything with black people, children in, I was like, what? Too right, absolutely. Um, there were girls that had, did adventurous things. Yeah, tiger. There was little tiger, cutie tiger. What was the other girl called? Can you remember her name? She was always dressed as a brownie. I seem to remember. She was the slightly sort of. She had a ponytail. Yeah, a little bit. Was she a bit prim, and she was more, possibly? She was a bit sensible. Sensible. She was like the sensible one. Yeah. And I always feared that I might be her. 
but I really wanted to be Tiger. We all obviously. wanted to be Tiger. She was the coolest girl ever, wasn't she? Was she was so free. She, she and then, was. And she, she used was... to go in the tyre, didn't she? Um, they had the big uh, sort of tractor tyre or car tyre exactly. hanging up that you could just go and sort of hang out on. I know. It was so brilliant. And, and they had an American in it. Yes. And they had the, and they had the nerdy boy brains and they had brains. donut. Donut. not get away with that anymore. I know. But, um, that was a bit outrageous, I, wasn't it? But do you know what? That This is the one, Mel, where my kids, for a birthday present one year, they reissued all the double-decker um, episodes on DVD. What? And my kids got them for me. <gasps> and I sat down like... <gasps> and actually, uh, what you notice oh, oh. when you watch it is it's yeah. really the Melvin Hayes show. Oh. Most of every episode was taken up by Melvin Hayes being hilarious. And I was just like... Get off, Melvin. Where are the children? And I completely expunged him from my memory. He, he's not in my memory of Double Deck. No, I don't. It's just the kids. You just telling me that, that Melvin Hayes, who was very famous as Gloria on It Ain't Our Hot Mom, wasn't he? That's how he exactly. sort of came to, to prominence. I don't even remember him being on it, but I'm assuming, was he some kind of caretaker figure that used to come in and say... Yeah, he was like Mr. Physical Comedy. He was always... Okay. Was he catching the kids or helping them? or trying to help them, but actually getting in the way. He's in it an awful lot. And I just think as a kid, you kind of go, mm, dull person, tuning out, tuning out. Ah, yeah. kid. Yes, that's. I, I literally don't remember him being in it. But you know who was in it was Peter Firth, who, of course, um, was, was in... Yes, yes, he was a scooper. Was it Scooper? <laughs> yeah, Peter Firth, who who's we know now, of course, from Spooks. Exactly. But he's like, you know, Mr. Famous Actor, isn't he? And he's been in various films yeah. and stuff. Or Brinsley Ford, Brinsley who was... Ford. Uh, uh, Brinsley Ford was in uh, Aswad. Dreadlocks. No. Lead singer of, um, of, of Aswad. Of was that that little kid? You're little kidding me! Kid. I had no idea. No. I used to yes. I used to serve him on the Portobello Road in the late eighties when I was working in a cafe, and he used to come in. That is so. And if I'd known he was in the Double Deckers, I had no idea. Oh my gosh! Yeah, amazing. What a what a triumphant career! <laughs> Double Deckers to Aswad. That's pretty what? cool. That's a fantastic career. It's amazing. Yeah. If you were sick off school, say, for a day or two. Is there a show yes. that you would watch without fail? Crank Court. Wowzers. So that was ITV. Now, was that I, OK? See, so your dad wasn't there, presumably. It's the daytime. Who's mm. in? Who's going to police me? Yeah. Crank Court, it was, always, it was always after the ITN news with Carol Barnes. Yes. It was always Carol Barnes. Barnesy. And usually, I think it is probably more secondary school age because I just think I was usually not revising for something. Oh, God. And I was watching Crown Court. Yes. And wanting to be on Crown Court. Now, Crown Court, they were self-contained stories, weren't they? Yes. Is that right? So it was a case... I didn't watch that much of it, to be honest. I'm slightly intrigued by it. I, mm. I, I'm afraid I was a bit more of a pebble mill at one person. Yes, OK. On the other side. Yes. But you'd start off the episode, wouldn't you, with a sort of quite official... Yeah. The opening theme to Crown Court, the fourth movement, Allegretto, of Sinfonietta by Leos Janacek. And the music was sort of... <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. Here yeah. we're going into some legal. Yes, this is serious. Yes, it was, it, and it was terribly serious. That's right. I maybe I'm making this up now, but I seem to remember that they might have had real people in the jury. Ah, okay, okay. But otherwise, it was played by actors. It Absolutely. Was... I always wanted to be on the witness stand. Oh, did you? Did you? Mm. It, would you say mm. that that's the show that made you want to get into telly then, into acting? Uh, no, I have a I have a film that was on BBC that made me get into want to get into acting. What was that? To Sir with Love. Oh wow! Do you remember that? Do you remember it? It's Sydney Poitier plays mm. a, a West Indian school teacher who comes to London in the sixties mm. and has to deal with all these rambunctious kids. One of whom is Lulu. Amazing. Who sings the title song to Sir with Love. Amazing. And at the end of the film, lots of things happen. All the staff hate him because he's black. And it's based on a book by a guy called E.R. E. Brathwaite. Right. So you get, for me, it, it's like the double deckers actually as well. You get, I grew up in a tiny dairy and cow village in the middle of the Cotswolds in the 1960s. So wow. basically the 1940s. Wow. Cider with Rosie. That's officially my childhood. It's like a documentary. Gosh. So um, anything that had towns and like to sew with love, it was like a London secondary school. It was fabulous. And like all the boys were a bit like geezers and they all leather jackets and they like really, they were really like dissing sir. But by the end, he taught them self-respect oh, and they loved wow. him. And, um, and, and Lulu had a crush on him. And at the last final disco dance, um, she got him to gap and dance. Oh. And he danced with a blonde teacher who he was secretly having a relationship with. And Lulu sang to Sir with love. Wow. And actually, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Oh, Andrew, and, have you seen it recently? Or, or... No, but I, uh, I saw it. I was in Ghana in 1976 and I went to the cinema with my cousin and the cinemas were open air and basically the film was projected onto a big flat wall. Fantastic. Painted white at the back. Yeah. And everybody talked all the way through the film, which I was like... Organ. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was to Sir with Love. And my co my cousins kept saying, is your school like this in England? Is your school like this? And I was like, I'm in the Cotswolds. It's nothing like this. I wish it were. But um, I remember just watching it there and like having a bit of kudos from, uh, wow. yeah, this is what schools are like in England. So it's the sort of thing that you saw, and I'm imagining you sort of right on the edge of your seat, sort of totally immersed oh, and completely, you were there basically. Yeah, and Sydney Poitier was so beautiful. So gorgeous. So, he was so beautiful. And the voice, the voice, oh my days. The voice. Amazing. And he was so great with his kids. And my mum was a school teacher as well. So I was okay. like, okay. Yeah, that could have been my mum in that staff room. Wow. Was it was great. I need to revisit that actually. I, I have seen it, but I saw it many years ago. And I need oh, it's things fantastic. like the, the, the detail of Lulu totally escaped me. I need to, I need to go oh. back to that. Yeah, um, and it's swinging 60s green yeah. fashion. Every looks yeah. marvellous. Yeah. And, and I'm imagining the kids are all called sort of stalky and chippy and all that They're sort of thing. They're all that yeah. sort of thing, yes. Let's film alone, stalky. <laughs> it would be that sort of thing. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> which was the show then that, that you were first involved with? What, what was the production that, that was your debut? Oh, well, weirdly... The show that I was first involved with, I wasn't actually in it to begin with. Right. And that was EastEnders. Ah. So a friend of mine, she had directed my first ever professional job. Right. Uh, her name's Sally Abrahamian, and uh, it was a theatre job. 
But by this time, she was working in telly and she was head of script on EastEnders. Great. This is about 89. Right. And um, they needed a new black family. They were having a black family. And um, so S Sally asked me to give them a breakdown of a family. Oh. So I'd come up to London in 84 with my friend Carol Tavernier. Hang on. The Tavernier family. The Tavernier family. The Tavernier family was the family in EastEnders. And I, that's my creation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I thought, now, I know that her family is from the West Indies. We'll have a West Indian family and we'll call them the Taverniers. And I'll have the eldest child be a girl so that I have a part. Boom. What did they do? They made the eldest girl a boy. Oh. Uh, so I didn't get a part, but I did get... To say thank you, they got me in for one episode and I was the first person to sing in the Queen Vic. It was when Sharon and Wixie were having problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you sing? Uh, I had to sing. I, they had me back a few times. I, they gave me things like God bless the child and love a man and every, you know, every standard, my funny Valentine, all of those songs. Had you? That's great. Well, and I got my friend Simon. We'd both done small scale young people's touring socialist feminist theatre touring um who, and he's the most amazing composer and um uh he uh, he'd gone to juilliard and he's head of music at goldsmiths now or he wow. was last time i checked anyway wow. so simon did these arrangements for these songs that was so when i would take them for auditions i'd take the music and people would go they'd lean in look at music and go i don't i don't know i can let Oh, really? Fantastic arrangements. So Simon came on and he was like, my character's called Karen, because then I, I was in East End for about a year playing Karen. I had long dreadlocks yes, and a big hat. Yes, I remember hat. you. I remember and, you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, I, I can't remember what we called him, Steve or something. And he was like the keyboard player and he'd come and play in the Queen Vic and have a jolly good look around. And um, oh, uh, so it was marvellous. Yeah. I thought it was you. You don't remember me, do you? Karen. Oh, yeah, of course I do. You should do. We pinched most of your gifts. <laughs> you two know each other, do you? Sharon used to be in a group. What was it called? We had the band. Hey, do you remember Ian? That's it, the band. Hidden talent, eh? Yeah, man, she was really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I better go. They're hopeless without me. I'll see you later. We'll have a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be great. That was Adua Ando as Karen performing That Old Devil Called Love, written by Alan Roberts and Doris Fisher. She was starring alongside Letitia Dean as Sharon Watts and Michael Melia as Eddie Royal in EastEnders, the 17th of July 1990 episode for BBC. I remember I, the first, whatever it was, the first song I sang, um, I sang and I must have looked straight down the lens of the camera and this voice from nowhere shouted, Don't look down the bottle, this isn't Ellie! Oh, God. As in light entertainment, I was like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. That learned but, um, you, didn't it? Blimey, it did, that's... I did that for a while and it was great. Would you say that was your sort of breakthrough doing EastEnders? No. No, I'd say probably casuality was my breakthrough. <gasps> and what a cracker. I did that for what a cracker. three long years. In Bristol? So, in Bristol? In Bristol, yes, yeah. which is where I was born. Oh, wow. um, uh, so, and I had no love for Bristol at the time. So I was living in London and I commuted for three years. I'd get up at 4am and... And the You're kids were joking. small, and I'd drive to Bristol, yeah. And how many days were you on set a week? I suppose Could it depends be. It depended what your storyline was at the time. Yeah. 
it could be six or seven. But I mean, in those days, we only, we didn't do, I think we did, we did less episodes than they do now. I mean, when I started on EastEnders, we had rehearsals up in North Acton. They were doing two those. episodes a week and it was really... Yeah, you know, I remember. Easy breezy. That's at those North Acton studios. Have become, the rehearsal studios. I remember them and the wig, oh. the wig department was there. Everything was there. And you go into the cantina and you see all the famous people oh, that you'd loved off the telly for years. I know. I remember seeing Felicity Kendall in oh, there. Oh, Lord. And wanting to prostrate myself in front of yes. her for, yes. for her classic work in The Good Life, you know. Properly funny, said Graham Norton. Marion Keyes called it a real treat. It's the Sunday Times bestseller. Wait, oh, hang on. Sorry, what, am I not allowed to plug my own book? Oh, for f- What are you obsessed with at the moment, Adjua? Is there something that you're absolutely not missing? Well, so, um, there are, there are, so I'll do this as my obsession, which is engrenage. Right. I, I know nothing about this. Please tell me everything en, about okay. it. What en is grenage. it? Okay, it's a crime series set in Paris. It's in English it's called Spiral. So in our house it's called Le Spirale. Oh, Le Spirale. But it's Engrenage. And it's fantastic. And there is were it? loads and there were about I can't remember how many series there were. Five, six series. I can watch it. I could watch it again from the start. And it, it the two lead characters, um Laure, this woman, yeah. just very damaged, very damaged. Okay. And Gilou, who is like a big bear of a policeman. Nice. They're both really good police and they they are implacable enemies and then they're great friends. Yes. And then, lovers, of course, lovers. In the end, bien sûr, by the end. But Ooh. what the Enclenage does brilliantly is, uh, you know, it's all a bit bon lieu and, um, you know, um, people in... Rough People suburbs. In cafes and yeah. rough suburbs and lots of children. Actually, the first series was incredibly violent. Like I did one of those things where I went, I don't know if I can watch this. Yeah, it's yeah, too yeah. it was really it was really graphic. I mean like horrible graphic y okay. And then it, weirdly it got less graphic and more crimey. Okay. And, and then you had so in France, before they can prosecute, you have to get permission from the magistrate. So there's this amazing guy who played the chief magistrate, who looked like a sort of white-haired Arsene Wenger. I thought you were going to say and Arthur Negus. Was... No, no, much, much more appealing. OK. Arsene Wenger, uh, you know, the ex-Arsenal manager. Yeah. Football's my other love. So there was him, and then there's a flame-haired woman who was like this amazing um, prosecuting barrister, and she was quite dodgy for a lot of this series, and then she'd come good, and then she'd be dodgy again, and then there was her nemesis who in the end, but of course, who was like, what do, who was he like? Oh, he was like a, a very handsome and slightly looser and bigger Sarkozy. Oh, God. Um, but, okay. But, but um, and he was like, Bleh. and then he was, you're very nice. And then they have to save the children and then they fight with the police and they fight with the judiciary bloke who is the Arsene Wenger lookalikey. So you have these three different bits of the crime service. Engranage. And it was all spiralling. And then you had all the bad people. And then you had the bad cops and the good bits of the... Oh, I'm oh, invested. Honestly, it's I'm fantastic. Invested. And is it a sort of thing where there's self-contained episodes? Or is it kind of, are you following one big, enormous case that you're spiralling down the vortex you, towards? Once you, Every series you need to watch from beginning to end. Okay, that's, so that's that, key. That's okay. quite self-contained. But if you watch the whole thing, you get the whole world. Yeah. You get who they were in the first episode right yeah, through yeah, to yeah. the 
it never disappointed. It was always on point. It was always interesting. Yeah. And it all, and even if it went cheese, it went cheese for a purpose. And you'd go, God, they've gone cheese. And then you go, oh, mm-hmm. no, they haven't. They've just gone. Mm-hmm. It's not real fromage. Yeah. So, um, engrenage, fantastic. Love so it. So, you're talking about it in the past tense. So, they've done all the series and that's it. They're not going to make any more. Or are we going to have some oh, more? There's no way they could make any more because oh. they finished it so fantastically. Okay. But, you know, I would okay. go back. But that's a TV obsession that I can revisit endlessly. Oh, that's really good to know. I'm absolutely, you've, you've totally, I'm sold on carnage. Um, does it have a good theme tune? Do, do you love the theme tune? Yes, do you it does. It does. Tune? Yes, it goes dong, dong, dong. Yeah, actually, it's one of those ones where it's a bit layered and a bit, you know, like the Scandi one sometimes. It's like oh, lots yeah. of different yeah, yeah, yeah. weirdy tunes. So if you sing it, you're like, stop singing, I beg you. But when it comes on, you're like, turn up the television. <laughs> what's what's the best TV theme tune ever written, do you think? What's your favourite? Slashing Blade. Now, please, please, Adjua, if you wouldn't mind, remind me. You've got to fight for what you want, for all that you believe. It's right to fight for what you want, to live the life you please. As yeah. long as you have done your best, nice. then no one can do more. Yeah. And life and love and happiness are well worth fighting for. Yeah. And they're galloping on their horses. You've got galloping on their horses across the landscape. The sword going, <laughs> what you want? The flashing blade. Bloody marvellous. Thank you for that. What you want for all that you believe It's right to fight for what we want To live the way we please As long as we have done our best Then no one can do more And life and love and happiness Are well worth fighting for That was Fight, performed by the Musketeers, written by Alex Masters. I love a theme mm. tune that also has has words. I like that. Yes. I like the extra effort. For me, it's butterflies all the way. Oh, love, love is like a butterfly. a butterfly. It's soft oh. and gentle as a sigh. The multicolored moons of love are like a sudden Love is like a butterfly. Soft and gentle as a sigh. The multicolored moons of love are like its satin wings. Love makes your heart feel strange inside. It flutters like soft wings in flight. Love is like a butterfly, a rare and gentle thing. That was Love is Like a Butterfly, performed by Claire Torrey, written by Dolly Parton. I didn't know that. That was great. I love Butterfly. Yeah, that me was too. Great. It was dark, wasn't it, as well? It wasn't I just... I love the fact she couldn't cook. Yeah. She had all these yeah. boys coming in demanding things. Yeah, she was so amazing. It was enough to she? drive any woman to other people. Yeah, she was brilliant. Wendy Craig. Wendy, Wendy Craig. Craig. Which is the show, Adja, that you would most love to bring back? I mean, I'm talking about well, in its now, original form, or am I talking about I, I, with a new person in it? Oh, God. Mm, ne- no, no, never. No, no, no. no. Never no. a new person. No. no. Um, I, there, well, there's two, really. I mean, I thought I was just going to go for I Love Lucy. Oh, so good. Because I, I love Lucille Ball. Oh, my God, I love Lucille Ball. So She's much. genius. She's absolutely Absolute genius. Genius. Yeah. genius. Yeah. That's one I would run home for. 
Yeah. So I knew Lucille Ball was going to be on. Yeah. And then, you know, the other obvious one, I suppose, which everybody loves, but I do really love it, is the banana splits. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, it was Saturday morning, wasn't it, banana yes. splits? It's one banana, two bananas, three bananas, four. And it has so many stupid bits to it that I loved. Yeah. And all the all the crazy... There was... um. Uh, there was Flegel, Drooper, one I can't remember, I can never remember, and Snorky. I think he was called Bingo or something Bingo, like that. Bingo, he was. And he was a dog, he wasn't was. he? He was. He was a dog. Uh, yeah, he was a sort of gorilla dog. <laughs> I couldn't work out if he was a gorilla or a dog. It, 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 but he had a little light bulb on his head that when That's he had an right. idea, it would light up. What was the... And they had the Sour Grapes gang oh, that would come in, the yeah. girls in the list school uniform. Me and my brother used to do the Sour Grapes all that because they would do proper 60s dancing yeah, the go -go that I really dancing. loved. What does the message say, Flagel? Their toughest guy wants to meet our toughest guy in the alley right now. Gosh, Flag, what do we do? <laughs> they can't scare me. I want a volunteer to step forward. Ready? One, two. Had <laughs> a boy, Snorky. Go out there and show those sour grapes how tough I am. That was Flegel, voiced by Paul Winchell, and Drooper, voiced by Alan Melvin, in Banana Split, 1968, for NBC. It's great to talk about the Banana Splits because I haven't really thought about them for ages. What was the premise again? Was it sort of double deckery? Were they? There was. A, they were all. Oh, they were hanging out together. They were hanging out together. They were in a band. They'd be playing instruments. I think yeah. it was sort of in that sort of whole era of um, bands like the Monkees and stuff, yeah. you know, bands with their own shows, only these were. And actually, one of the blokes in it now, I can't remember his name, was it Paul? Hang on, you're going to tell me it's Simon Russell Beale or something. There's um, going to be some sadly, big revelation. It could, it could be Simon because we, we know he can do anything. No, a guy called Paul Winchell was one of, the, one of them, which I think yeah. he was Flegel. And he was also the voice of Dick Dastardly. I love Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly. Was, I mean, who could be better than Dick yeah. Dastardly? He didn't do Muttley as well, did he? No, he didn't do Muttley. No. I mean, it was probably enough to do Dick. Dick Dastardly um, was a brilliant voice, wasn't it? it was and one he of those... was also in the Wacky... He was also... Who was, he was somebody else in the Wacky Races. Oh, yeah. He was Clyde and Private Meekly and softly in the wacky races. Wow, talented guy. In the perils of Penelope Pitstop and wow. all that. Anyway, so wow. he was one of, 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 the, the, of, the, of, the, of the banana split. The, what I loved about it was um, they had uh, the Arabian Nights cartoon. Size of an eagle! All size. Oh, my brother used to say that the whole time. He'd go around the house saying, size, size of a laundry of an... basket. Exactly, and that's yes, where we got that's it from. Where it came from. Thank you. This is this is really great. This chat, Adrian. A lot of things are falling into. A lot of things are falling into place. No, this it's is very, where my head lives. It's very very good. <laughs> is there a show at the moment that everyone's talking about, and you're thinking, oh, I must, I must, you know, I must get around to that. Um, so there's one called Le Bureau. Oh, Le you Bureau. like you like your French. I, listen, you love I, your French. I love French. I'll tell you what's really good. This isn't one I'm going to say, but um, as a genre, Indian crime drama. Oh, oh my days. Indian crime drama. It's fantastic. Is it's it? Fantastic. Yes, is it? it is. It's totally fantastic. And I love it as well because I'm looking at a world that is not a world that one that I know. Now, Le Bureau. Le bureau. And it, it, it means, yeah. obviously, the office. That's what Le Bureau yes. means, isn't it? Is it, it's, is it, it's not is it Ricky kind of Gervais' office. office? No, it's not, it's not that in no, French. No, no, no. There's no one there to make your heart warm. It's France, but it's also espionage that goes uh, across to, um, to, to Iraq and Iran and all sorts oh, nice. of interesting places. 
Oh, so nice. it's um, okay. Good. It's, I shall make it's a note super of that. crimey. I love it. I love yeah, you like. It. I'm, I'm sensing you like your. You I'm like a bit your, of a crimey. Yeah, mm, you like your crimesies. So uh, that, and then another one which is brilliant. It's called Tehran, and again, uh, this is it's an Israeli series, and it's about agents and all of that. Wow. And uh, what I love about it, they might be a bit Mossadi on one side, yeah, um, um, and then they might be a bit. Um, Iranian government on the other side. Okay. But what you get in the middle is you get real people who may um, be from either side who've got kids and families and people they love and Clever. stuff they're trying to do, doing their spy stuff. So it's kind Clever. of, it's not a show that goes, I'm going to love you because you come from this country and I'm going to hate it's not that at all. It's, it's clever. Like it's clever. Human that. beings yeah. um, who are involved in these things. Oh, thanks. And that's for really that. good as well. Thanks for that, Adria. I'm gonna I'm gonna seek out Engrenage, Le Bureau, and also Tehran. Thank you very, very much. Can You're I have your welcome. favourite show of all time, please? That's I know blackish. that's quite clever. Blackish. Okay. No, it's easy. Blackish. Blackish. I love blackish. You know how hectic all our lives get? Yeah. And you know, if you've been doing a show or you've been filming something. And you get in and you know you've got to be awake in 10 minutes and you can't get to sleep oh, and you yeah. just need some mind wash. Mm. It, it's sort of funny, wise, thoughtful, smart, occasionally heartbreaking mm. comedy mind wash. Mm. It's um, Tracy Ellis Ross, Diana Ross's daughter. Great. It's produced by Lawrence Fishburne, who's also in oh, it. I love Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, my God. It's basically a black middle class family. Mm. Uh, with Lawrence Fishburne and his wife, who are separated but both live with the son. So basically, he he's in advertising. He's done extremely well. Right. His wife Tracy Ellis Ross uh, is a surgeon. She's done extremely yeah. well. They're living these very middle class lives with his parents, who are like, we should still be in Crenshaw and keeping it real. Okay. Um, but but they're quite comfy in the little yeah. granny, granny and granddad flats. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then her, her father was played by Bo Bridges. Oh, wow. And her mother was black and, you know, so every so often she'll get dissed for not being black enough. It sounds by... brilliant, actually. It's, it and then they've got brilliant. all these, it's fantastic. They've got these children, you know, the girl is beautiful and she's going off to college. The son's a dweeb and he can never quite be hip enough. And then there are the two, there are the twins, and the, the the girl twin is the one that everybody's terrified of. She's sort of small, but if she looks at you, <laughs> grown people go, ooh. And um, and then her little dweeby brother who's trying to keep up with that. And then you see him at work in the advertising agency where he gets the urban account um, because he's black, and they're all trying to be hip, and they're just they're white and they're white and um, advertising. It's it hilarious. Really, it sounds really it's good. It's really hilarious. I can't believe you abandoned a three-year-old. Okay, look, I know it looks bad, but that is a little white girl. And as a black man... No! You do not get to play the race card today. Sorry, I'm late. There was a little snowflake on the elevator, so I had to take the stairs. Me too. Careful, Dre. Someone's out there setting traps. Yeah, I don't understand. Why are you two so afraid of a baby? We don't have the luxury of being helpful because we're instantly seen as threats. Well, look, sorry I'm late, boss. Mm -hmm. There's a little white girl in the elevator. Almost had me. I saw my freedom flash right before my eyes. That was Anthony Anderson as Dre Johnson, Peter McKenzie as Mr. Stevens, Jeff Meacham as Josh, Dion Cole as Charlie Telfy, and Alan Maldonado as Curtis in Blackish 2016, the Who's Afraid of the Big Black Man episode for ABC.
honestly, it just make you laugh out. It'll make you laugh out loud. Oh, it's great. so hilarious. Brilliant. Yeah. So Brilliant. I would, I would go for that. And it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you, Adja. Thank you so much for sharing. No, absolute pleasure. What a treat. Oh, it's, what a fun conversation. No, it's lovely. It was really, really lovely to talk to you. And can't wait for series two, obviously, of The Bridge. Can't wait yes, for that. She's uh, galloping down the tracks as we speak. March I saw, 25th. I saw Johnny Bailey the other night, Adjo. It was really lovely to see him. And series two is all about him, isn't it? It's his. It, oh, every bloody thing. Jesus. Johnny B. Bailey. Oh, my God. Uh, buttocks at the fore, presumably. Listen, very toned and honed buttocks. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't wait. Adjoa Ando, oh, what a ledge. A massive thank you to everybody, by the way, who's liked and subscribed to the podcast and left a nice little review so far. It's a massive help. Thank you. Um, I don't know what that voice was. I shall never use it again. If you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? This was my TV Years from TV Choice with me, Mel Gedroich, and we will be back oh so soon talking all things TV. (laughs) 